Well, good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I am here at the podium with the Minister for Education, Sport and Culture. Our Director of Public Health joins us on Zoom, as does the Minister for Health and Social Care. I do want to brief you on some important decisions we took at the Council of Ministers this morning. Before I do so, let me hand over to the Minister of Health and Social Care for his update on today's data. I know he has a couple of points to cover. David. Thank you very much, Chief Minister. The total number of tests undertaken is 46,894. The total number of tests concluded is also 46,894, meaning the lab has processed all the test results at the time of the snapshot that they had had through. In the last 24 hours, we have identified one new case, which is from a known source. That means the total number of cases now stands at 1,570. There are currently 294 active cases. Of those active cases, four are in hospital, none in ICU. A couple of points I want to touch on today. Firstly, turning to the vaccination programme. We have now delivered over 52,000 doses of vaccine, with over 36,000 of our population having received one dose. All letters for the priority groups have now gone out, which is everyone over 50, and in the clinically vulnerable categories. If you have received your letter, I would urge you to register as early as possible. This can be done either by calling 111 or registering online at covid19.gov.im forward slash vaccine reg. We have now started to dispatch the next two groups of letters, which cover those aged 40 to 49. Again, people in those two cohorts are now able to register online for the vaccine, and I would urge them to start doing so. Sticking with vaccines for a moment, just a reminder that if someone has tested positive for COVID or is required to isolate, then they can't and must not attend any vaccination appointment that may be booked. They need to speak to 111 and have their appointment rearranged for once their isolation has ended. This ensures the safety of those going through the hubs and staff working there as well. Those in isolation will still be vaccinated, but their appointments must not take place while they are isolated or, rec or recovering from COVID-19. Obviously, in the current global pandemic, much of the focus has quite rightly been on COVID-19. But we must also not forget about other medical conditions that also carry great importance. If anyone has any symptoms of other diseases, particularly cancer, where people may have lumps, bumps, growths, etc., that they don't normally have, then they should contact their GP at the earliest possible opportunity. People should continue to seek day-to-day -day medical help for any conditions that they are concerned about. So if you notice something out of the ordinary, don't delay due to the pandemic. Seek the medical help and assistance in the same way that you would in normal times. Thank you, Chief Minister. Thank you very much, David. Over the last week, the data has all been heading in the right direction. The rolling averages have been dropping in a way that suggests to us that this outbreak is under control and that this has, of course, been our goal from the outset. Local elimination of what we is what we ideally want to see, at least until our vaccination programme has made a little more progress. But for now, I am pleased that the current outbreak, for the moment at least, seems to be on its last legs. It was only 25 days ago when we saw 114 cases in a single day. 
Just two weeks ago, we had 865 active cases, 843 in the community and 22 in hospital. Today, things are different, with 294 active cases and that number decreasing every day. It is starting to feel like the beginning of a new chapter. I know people will have been disappointed that we saw a single unknown case this week. I was too. The contact tracing team have been working hard to try to understand where the infection came from and, importantly, if there has been any onward transmission. They have carried out surge testing around the individual concerned. Given what the individual has told us and our analysis of the context, we have a reasonably high level of assurance that this chain is now contained. We always knew there would be a risk of odd cases popping up and the contact tracing team was ready to move quickly. We may not know for certain if the chain has been broken. Only time will tell for sure. But from what we know today, we are cautiously optimistic. I will come on to the decisions taken by the Council of Ministers this morning. Before I do, I would like to invite our Director of Public Health to give us her update. Dr Hewitt. Thank you, Chief Minister. If I can pick up first on the... Um community case that we couldn't link back to um, any known cases earlier this week. Uh, we are very confident that we've contained the risk of forward spread through the identification of the close contacts um, of the case. But as always with a sporadic community case uh, with no known links further back in the chain, there is still the risk of wider transmission in the community, which our contact tracers would not be able to identify through the contacts of the case. So that means that we really do need everybody to continue to be very vigilant for symptoms and should they develop them, to stay at home and contact 111 for assessment and testing because we just can't guarantee that we have closed off everything that might be out in the community really at the point before we identified this case. Um, in terms of where we are overall, as Chief Minister has said, the curves are all coming down very, very nicely now and quite rapidly, which is very gratifying. Um, the curves, obviously, you can see on the website and you can interrogate them. They're interactive to see how the numbers have been changing over time. Another indicator that is important for us and important to take into consideration when we think about relaxing some of the measures is the test positivity rate. So that's the percentage of tests each day that are positive. And we've now come down to under 1% a day of our tests being positive, which means the test numbers overall are staying up very well, but the percentage of positives is now very low. And that indicates that we're not missing large numbers of pockets of infection out in the community. And just to pick up further on that point, the World Health Organization recommends that once you get down to a positivity rate of 5% or less, that's a reasonable point at which you can start thinking about relaxing some of the, the control measures. So that's just another indicator that is going in the right direction. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Hewitt. So on to this morning's Council of Ministers meeting. Together with advice from our Director of Public Health and other senior officers, we considered the data of the last two weeks. We were briefed on the context around the unknown case on the 29th of March, 
and we heard about the status of our hospital, which I'm pleased to report has been able to start its journey back to business as usual. We also carefully considered the intense strain that our community is under from this and previous lockdowns. We know that people not being able to see their loved ones is incredibly hard. We need to take our mental health as seriously as our physical health. As I said in Timwald around a year ago, I am worried about the scars this pandemic has already caused and those which we have not yet seen. But, and there is a but, we need to balance this with our wish for a transition out of a lockdown to be a one-way journey. I certainly do not want us to go through this again. We are not ready to end the lockdown, but we do want to do what we can to lighten the load. For some time now, we have been talking about a gradual and self-exit and safe exit from measures. More than maybe ever before, baby steps has to be the right approach for the situation we are in today. So this is why the Council of Ministers decided this morning a slow and steady journey back towards the relative normality that we enjoyed for more than 200 days over the last year. We heard this morning that the relative risk of the virus spreading in outdoor environments is significantly lower than indoor. It is lower again if social distancing and good hygiene is followed, and lower again if face coverings are used. We therefore agreed that with effect from first thing tomorrow morning, we are ready for you to meet people from other households outdoors. We cannot yet permit household mixing indoors where the risks are much higher. For the moment, we will also be limiting outdoor gatherings to 10 people. We need people to see this for what it is. This is for family and friends to see each other. This is to make these tough days that little bit easier. But please, just so this is absolutely clear, this is meeting up outdoors. Please don't be tempted to pop inside and please do everything you can to keep your distance and wear a face covering if you can. If we get this right and get through another week of low or no new cases, we may be able to go further. I hope this helps to bring our community a little bit closer together again. On a personal level, I know how much I'm looking forward to sitting in my parents' garden, garden and catching up with them. You may remember that last spring, one of the first things we were able to open up again was the construction sector and related trades. We decided this morning that we are ready for this to resume on the 6th of April, after the Easter weekend. For construction that is outdoors, this can resume as long as good practice on social distancing and face covering is respected. Some work that is indoors is already permitted. Given the difference in risk between outdoors and indoors, we are only going to change the measures slightly. From the 6th of April, we are ready to raise the limit for work on a vacant property to one person per room. Again, rules on social distancing and the use of face coverings must be respected to ensure a safe working environment. In line with this, we are also ready for garden centres to open from the 6th of April, with social distancing in place and face coverings strongly recommended, and some retailers may insist on this. This mirrors the position we had in January of this year. We wanted it to be as familiar as possible, and detailed guidance will be available later today and we are already talking to industry representatives.
Another important aspect of returning to a more normal society will be the return to school and preschool for our young people. I know you are keen to know what the situation might look like after the Easter holidays. So let me hand over to the Minister of Education, Sport and Culture to take you through our current thinking. Alex. Thank you. As we start along the road to recovery, we must make sure that every step forward doesn't risk two steps backwards at a later stage. As the Chief Minister has announced, restrictions will be eased this weekend. At the start of this outbreak, we had to close all schools, nurseries and UCM. I'm sorry for the stress this has caused for children and their families. I've been so impressed by the resilience shown by our young people to engage in remote learning and thankful to our teachers who have kept our education system going. Our aim is that all schools and UCM will reopen on Monday the 12th of April after the Easter holiday. The opening up of schools, of course, will be dependent on the infection rates continuing to decline and the latest advice from the Public Health Directorate. If nearer the time the infection risk is considered high, the Department for Education, Sport and Culture will aim to open primary schools from Tuesday the 13th of April in a phased approach, initially for vulnerable children and those of essential workers who need to attend their place of work to keep our island safe and operational. In respect of secondary schools, our aim will be to gradually reopen them to students on the 13th initially to selected year 11 and 13 students who are required to undertake further work and assessments in school, which will then enable their teachers to accurately grade their performance for external exam boards. This has to be completed by the 21st of May. These year groups may need to attend school in a staggered or part-time manner in order to allow for their teachers to have sufficient time to have face-to-face -face contact with them whilst maintaining social distance. When those students are not required to attend school, they will continue to carry out their studies through remote learning at home. The level of operational detail about how many and on what day students will attend will be down to the individual school and this will be communicated quite clearly to them and their parents. In respect of nurseries, playgroups and childminders, the department is working closely with our colleagues in the Department of Health and Social Care to plan how they can reopen safely. It is envisaged that this will be aligned to schools. All our decisions will continue to be made on the most up-to-date evidence of the health situation on our island and advice from clinicians and the Director of Public Health. We remain committed to do everything possible to ensure the safety of our pupils and our staff. Thank you, Chief Minister. Thank you very much, Alex. Getting our young people back to school as soon as it is safe to do so has to be a top priority for us. These are the changes that we are able to announce today. We still need you to work from home where you can. We still need you to keep your distance and respect other space and please wear a face covering as much as possible. As I said, the lockdown is not over, but we are now on what we aim to be a steady, safe, one-way journey. We will keep all these measures under regular review. As we have said on a number of occasions, we will only keep measures in place for as long as they are necessary. So tomorrow we can resume some outdoor activities. From the week beginning the 12th, we hope our schools will start a phased return and then subject to the situation remaining under control we can look to a broader reopening on or around the 19th of April. That is our hope. 
But as ever, I do need to be clear that things can change fast. If we need to slow this transition, we will. Whether this is a light touch on the brakes or a complete halt, let's hope we won't need to. And it would be wrong for me to stand here and promise that all restrictions, all social distancing and all face coverings will be gone from the 19th of April. We will have to see where the data takes us. Before we go to questions, I would like to share a more solemn moment with you. In so many societies, the 1st of April is traditionally the time for fun and pranks. But for me, it will always be the anniversary of the most difficult speech I have ever had to give. It was the day last year that alongside His Excellency the Lieutenant Governor, I had to announce the first death on our island linked to this pandemic. I remember that moment well, and always will. It is for each of you to decide how to mark this sad anniversary. These things are very personal. I personally will take a quiet moment this evening in thought and prayer for all those who have lost a loved one over the last year. But I will also remember the incredible community spirit we have seen across our island over the last year. The challenges of these past 12 months have brought out the best of so many people. The generosity, resilience and strength of the Great Manx public has been truly remarkable and we must never forget that. Let's take some questions. First I have is Paul Hardman from Isle of Man Newspapers. Good afternoon Paul, fast am I. Fast am I Chief Minister. My first question for yourself. Can you clarify what time period without unexplained cases is currently required for exiting this lockdown? And has that single unexplained case detected on Tuesday set the clock back to zero on this, so to speak? Well, all the time we're looking at this, Paul, um, we still hope that there might be a chance we can trace this, this one case. That work is still ongoing. Um, I can't say too much more than that because it's, it's still down to an individual and, and therefore I can't generalise on, on that or go into any more detail. I mean, we've always said in a perfect world, 21 days before we come out of, of, of lockdown with no unexplained cases in the community. So that's where um, we hoped to, to go. There may be a chance, in the, if, if we keep on saying unexplained cases, that by the time we get to, say, the end of this month, if our vaccination programme, which is pushing nearly 50% of the population, um, has has been done to cover all groups one to nine, then we may review that situation. So we, we, we set out our stall at the start of this lockdown, but in a, in a way it's a moving feast based on the data. I don't know if any officers or Dr Ewart wants to expand on, on that at all. Uh, yes, thank you, Chief Minister. Just to say that this isn't a purely mechanical um, kind of equation, you know, number of days equals X, action equals Y. Um, it's very much about looking at a number of indicators and the context behind that. So, you know, there is there are some technical definitions, which I think we've talked about before in previous briefings, and the the final definition, if you like, of when an outbreak is formally declared closed 
And this doesn't matter what sort of disease outbreak, it's the generic definition for any, any communicable disease outbreak, that's 28 days. But that doesn't mean to say that you wouldn't relax any of your control measures unless or until you reach that milestone. You can actually look at context, look at your basket of indicators. So that's not only the number of days, but things like your positivity rate that I was mentioning just now. And you can also look at some of the things that you can relax that are at the lowest risk end of the spectrum. Um, and, and you know, move slowly towards full relaxation rather than doing it in an all or nothing kind of a way. Thank you. I think it's fair to say, Paul, we're on a journey. We we are we know we're going to have to live with COVID for years to come. So total elimination it was a strategy that worked well for us when there was no vaccination program. But now we're in the midst of a really good vaccination program where our people are getting the um, support defence against this terrible virus with the vaccine and therefore as we get closer to more and more of our vulnerable um, groups of people getting their first jab and we, we can also celebrate all those people living in residential care, nursing homes having had two jabs we can start to move out from um, the elimination of the disease on the island to living with it which we will have to do for a number of years and and obviously we're looking still looking at the end of the month early next month to allowing um, family and friends to come and visit the Isle of Man before we come out um, and, and open up our borders once we've vaccinated our people and the UK is in a similar position. Thanks very much, Paul. Your next question. Uh, same question for Dr Allenson. Considering the uncertain environment that students will be returning to school in, are there any provisions in place for rapid testing in schools? And will there be any other safeguards such as PPE or social distancing? Yeah, thank, thanks very much for that question. We've certainly worked very closely with the Director of Public Health and with schools right the way through these 12, 12 months to make schools as safe as possible. When um, students go back, there is a slight difference between primary and secondary um, children. Primary children, it's very hard to stop them hugging each other. We'll do our best, but what we're going to be doing is separating them into small groups, trying to um, create bubbles, education bubbles, so that we can stop them mixing too widely. We'll also obviously be using the hand washing and hygiene measures, and the kids have really taken up on that in remarkably well. In terms of secondary schools, again, it's going on to basics like social distancing and hygiene, but also mask wearing. And again, what we've seen over the last 12 months is more and more evidence that this can be really useful in terms of stopping transmission and protecting communities. So that will be brought in as well. The main obvious way of trying to prevent transmission is if people feel unwell you don't go into school you don't go into work you dial 111 and get the test that's how we're going to root out any residual cases in our environment but we know particularly amongst young people that COVID-19 can sometimes be asymptomatic obviously in the United Kingdom they're doing trials in terms of um, using lateral flow tests either at home or at school to screen children but when you look at the data on that it's I'm not particularly convinced that it would help us in our situation. A recent Cochrane review um, published last week showed that in asymptomatic 
people, lateral flow tests might pick up about 58% of those who were actually infected. And we've got, we know we've got very low rates on the Isle of Man, and we're a relatively small community, and most people, the vast majority, are doing the right thing. So at the moment, there is no obvious, there's no obvious plans of doing t routine testing on students and pupils coming into school. Because again, we're, particularly with younger children, many of them find this very uncomfortable and quite distressing. We will be reviewing that. We're constantly reviewing the testing situation. But what we have done is open up a pathway for anyone who works in schools who are concerned, who may be asymptomatic, to have the, the gold standard PCR testing on a regular basis if they, if, they, if they want it, if they require it, to actually make sure that they're safe and that they're not carrying the virus. And what we again, the, the message will always be that if you feel unwell at the moment, please think that you may have this virus. Please do not go into work. Don't go into schools when they reopen. Dial 111 and get tested. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you very much, Paul. Next, we have Rob Pritchard from 3FM. Good afternoon, Rob. Fast am I. First to my Chief Minister, my first question, just regarding your announcement of outdoor gatherings from tomorrow, you say it's going to be groups of 10 as long as they follow the safety measures. Uh, if someone does meet up in a group, can they only meet with that same group of people later on? Or can that be with any group of people after that, as long as they adhere to the maximum numbers and the distancing measures and so on? Thanks, Rob. It's a good point to clarify. Yes, it's, it's any group. So no more than 10 people at a time. So if I go to visit a household of five, I can only bring five people with me. That's outside, keeping your distancing. Um, or if you go outside a group of 10, that's um, acceptable. If you then go home and you want to go back out again, um, you can meet with another group of people, but you keep it to 10, you keep your distancing and you keep your face mask on. But that's purely outside. You cannot go into the property. Thank you for that. My second question, probably for the Health Minister. We've seen that uh, referrals to the Ireland's crisis team over people's mental health has risen in the last year. What extra resources have you allocated or are planning to allocate to this service, given that this is a continuous challenge for people that we've seen throughout the pandemic? Yes, thank you very much, Rob. I mean, it is a serious matter, the mental health. Um, we have made online resources available that weren't available previously. Um, I know that in terms of staffing, that has been looked at as to what staffing we have around mental health. There has been additional funds over the last few budgets put into mental health as well, and that is continuing, and we thank Treasury for that support. We are also working on self-help as well, because as I've said at one of the previous briefings, we've got to be very clear, it's not just all about the crisis, team it's not all about the department it's about giving people mechanisms to help themselves as well so there's been work going on in that area and there's a lot now more tools available to people in terms of advice and also online support too but the budgetary uh, aspect of the department as well mental health has been receiving extra provision over the last few years and they have been utilizing that provision they will continue to do so just a point on top of that, if you don't mind, into, um, you, you mentioned the financial side, but in terms of actual staffing and personnel to make sure people are being reached in the target time, um, in terms of staffing, has that been looked at? It has. Um, I did say that just in my original answer, that there has been a staff review within the mental health service. Um, the, those in charge of the mental health service assure me that they are happy with the staffing levels, that they are able to cope. I gave some figures in the House of Keys, in fact, as to the number of um, touch points 
that the mental health and crisis team have actually had. I gave those figures out in answer to a question on Tuesday. So they are confident they are um, able to cope with the increased demand. But obviously, if any other further demands come forward, then the department would look at that. Manx Care today, which you've given me an opportunity to put in as well, Rob, is up and running now. Today is Manx Care Day. And if Manx Care came forward saying that they needed further support in that area, then the department would look at that and engage with Treasury as well. Thank you. Thanks very much, Rob. Now we move on to Alex Wotton from Manx Radio. Good afternoon, Alex. Fast am I. Good afternoon. Uh, people are now looking to book holidays, uh, particularly in the latter part of this year. With the uh, vaccination programme where it is, what thought have you put into vaccination passports and their implications in travelling to continental Europe especially? Well, it'll be up to, obviously, companies to decide whether they wish to... Um, ask for people to have vaccination passports to, and evidence to show that they've had that. If you're, um, I, I know I've heard of one company already insisting that anyone wants to go on holiday must have a vaccination passport. So we are ensuring that if there is a requirement that individuals on the Isle of Man will have the data to clearly show that they have had the vaccination um, to um, enable them to go on holiday. But I'll bring in the health minister who I know has been working on this. Yes, so if countries required some sort of proof that um, a vaccination had been delivered to someone in order for them to either use their airline, their route or, other, or enter a country, then we would be able to provide that for people, um, just as we've been able to do the tests, for instance, where people have had to show a um, negative test, a PCR test, before entering a country. We can go down that exact same route. If your question asks was about are we going to introduce vaccination passports, then at the moment that's not on the radar and the reason being of course as we've stated before at briefings um, having the vaccination does not stop someone carrying COVID or contracting it and although it reduces transmission and the most recent studies are very encouraging about the reduction in transmission it still doesn't remove the ability for someone to transmit it to someone else so a vaccination passport doesn't necessarily act in the way as say it would with a vaccination for yellow fever um, which actually does stop you contracting that particular disease. Uh, what we also need to be careful of is we don't go down the road and create a particular system that the rest of the, that is then out of sync with the rest of the world. Because I'm pretty certain if the world does go down the route of vaccination passports, there'll probably be an international standard to that. But in the short term, if people needed proof for a particular country, we could provide that. Okay, thank you. Uh, so uh, the other question, um, probably for the health minister again, actually, with uh, all the care home residents now been vaccinated, is the department offering any new advice for homes in terms of visits? Not at the current time. And the reason being, although it's great news that the vaccine programme has finished, we have to remember that the efficacy of the vaccine builds over time in people's systems. It's not instant protection. Um, and so it is important for the current time um, that if homes wish to maintain their restrictions, that they do so around visiting. So we do need to be cautious at the moment. It's excellent news that, that the vaccination programme has finished in those individuals, but they will still be, be building protection from those vaccinations. So for the current outbreak, the advice is no different. Thank you. Thanks very much, Alex. And just before we move on to Simon Richardson, I just want to clarify a point I said earlier regarding the number of people going from one household to another. It's obviously it's 10 people that can meet outside. Um, I think I said five people 
um, in, with yourself and five people. It should have been yourself including included in that five, meeting with another household of five as an example, just in case anyone thinks they can now sneak in an 11th person where we're keeping it to 10. Um, people mixing outside, but obviously wearing the face masks and keeping them um, themselves socially distanced. Just wanted to clarify that point. Right, next we have Simon Richardson from Business 365. Good afternoon, Simon. Fast am I. Good afternoon, Chief Minister. My first question is for the Health Minister, please. Um, in terms of the vaccines, obviously well done to all concerned for hitting the 51,000 mark. Um, the fear last month, though, was that we would have a significant slowdown in supplies in April due in no small part to pressure from the EU. Has that concern receded or is it still likely? No, it hasn't receded. Um, the delivery schedules are as we said they would be um, in relation to April. So we are getting the uh, reduced delivery schedule. We've always kept a buffer stock and we've always planned accordingly. So our vaccination programme can continue. Um, but the numbers um, have and will be seen to be reduced over the April. But we are on track exactly where we were. And we will hit our targets in relation to having the priority groups vaccinated. All the letters have now gone out to the priority groups, which is those over 50 and those in clinically vulnerable and I'll use this as an opportunity again Simon to say to people if you've had your letter um, please do register with 111 at the earliest opportunity um, and that means you'll get an appointment as quick as possible so please don't sit on your letter if you've had your letter get yourself registered. Thank you and secondly for Dr Ewart please um, Dr. Ewart, over the past few weeks of community cases, have we seen any trend in which the category of person or the category of person who's catching the virus? Um, we appreciate you can't give personal details on cases, of course, but the most recent community case obviously was disappointing after four previous days all clear. Now, from the dashboard, it suggests that the case is possibly a young man in his 20s. Has that been a trend? Uh, I really can't comment on any individual and no, there has not been any trend in specific narrow age bands or geographical locations or indeed work settings or, or other. It has very much been dispersed across age groups, um, but mainly in young people and working age adults rather than older adults, but no sub patterns within that. And as I say, no other geographical or occupational links. It's been very, very dispersed. Thank you. Thank you very much, Simon. We now move on to Sam Turton from Jeff. Good afternoon, Sam. Fast am I. Fast am I, Chief Minister. I just wonder if we could ask, in terms of the businesses, there's some clarification being sought already on if somebody runs an outdoor fitness group, for example, are they able to gather with up to nine of their um, customers? to run a group like that, for example, under these new rules. Right. Now, outdoor gyms, I wasn't aware, was allowed. Um, I will have to get back to you on that because there may be close um, contact with, with, with the work. So I'll take advice from our experts on that. Uh, I don't know if Dr. Ewart can give any thoughts on that. Uh, yes, um, we haven't moved to bring that provision back in yet. But in fact, we did a lot of work with um, MSR during, well, as we were coming out of the first lockdown back in the summer, where we, we worked with their, their staff who have expertise and knowledge in, in these 
areas to actually look at different types of activity and the risk for sort of aerosol generation, droplet spread, etc., and the sort of um, mitigations that might be needed for specific activities. So we haven't looked at relaxing any of that yet, but we can do as we see the implications of the relaxation we've already had. And as I say, we've got that work that we did last summer that we can draw on to relax things if that looks like the way to go over the next days and weeks. Thank you. I think, Sam, I think um, Dr. Allenson might want to um, give a comment on this too. Yeah, I, I think it's a very good question. And I know people are really eager to get out and, and, and get active again, which is great. One of the big decisions the Council of Ministers made today was about outdoor gatherings. But we've also decided to keep closed for the time being over this weekend um, playgrounds, tennis courts, those sort of um, areas so that we can try to do this in very careful steps as we move forward. So I know people may want to start boot camps again and things like that. Can we just wait look at the data over the weekend, go into next week, and then hopefully when the council ministers meet on the 6th, we can revisit some of these um, you, you know, issues to gradually start opening things up again. So you know, I think sport's very, very important. Obviously, people want to get out, want to get active and stay active, but let's take it in stages so that we can be absolutely certain that we don't have to, as I said, take steps backwards in the future. Thank you, yeah, Chief It's Minister. all about small baby steps, as we've said before, Sam. Your next question, Sam. Yeah, just in terms of indoor working, you've moved it now to one person per room in a vacant property. There's people want to know when they'll be able to get more clarity around when particularly sole traders will be allowed to go back into occupied properties surrounding things like installing bathrooms and kitchens. It's obviously quite a difficult time for the construction industry as a whole, but a lot of our sole traders are feeling the, uh, the pinch of this lockdown. Yeah, I understand that, Sam. We're not there yet. We, we feel that... We, we've opened up our construction sector for where there's no one living in pro, in, a, in a property, so an open site effectively, or a property where trades can one person can work in each room. As the Dr. Anson has just said regarding the outdoor gym, where we're we're looking at doing this in, in in stages. So we're going to take a step forward. If the data of the coming week is good and we don't have any more unexplained cases, then it may well be that we can look at allowing outdoor gyms to work, for example, and other activities. I think going into a house where people are still living and, and fitting out a bathroom or a kitchen, I, I know people need to get on with that, um, but we're not there yet. We did go over and beyond to help um, sole traders get on and, and do jobs around the house, um, around property, but that was outside or in a property that was empty. But we're just not quite there yet, Sam. But I, I hope that we can move on that fairly quickly. When you say fairly quick, quickly, does that mean we might have a better idea for them next week, next two weeks, just the ballpark figure? Yes, in, in the next week or two, we'll. It, it really will be dependent, Sam, on the data that we're getting from the number of, of, you know, if we've got no cases um, for, for the next week and no one explained cases, then obviously the Council of Ministers can be a little bit more confident when we're looking at the data on what's safe to move forward. Because we, we, do, we do want to open up as soon as we can, but it has to be as safely as we can too. But thanks very much, Paul. And last but not least, we have Paul Moulton from Isle of Man Television. Good afternoon, Paul. Fast am I. Thank you. Uh, for Dr. Alex Allison, um, you said there are no hub schools yet. I've been told that there is a hub school in operation down at the NSC for health workers. Can you comment if that's true or is that just a complete rumour? 
No, no, you, you have wonderful sources, Paul. And I, I, I'm always in awe of, of, of what you learn. Um, we don't have a hub school. No, we have a childcare facility. One of the things that, that was quite evident over the last couple of weeks um, was the, the strain that this um, outbreak has caused for Nobles Hospital. You're, you're aware of that in terms of the increasing numbers of people coming into hospital, but also we have quite a large amount of staff who are having to self-isolate because they, they be, they've been contact traced, but also those people who couldn't access childcare and so couldn't come into work for that. So what we've done um, in terms of the department is set up a facility so that we can provide that childcare for those critical workers, those people working, for instance, in intensive care, who need that so that they can go and do the job that we all rely upon. And so we will be doing that over the Easter period to support those critical workers. And we are in conversation with some of the other frontline um, staff as well, so that if we need to, we can provide that so that they can go to work. And you can understand the um, angst amongst other people who believe themselves to be frontline workers who can't get into this system at the minute. No, absolutely. We, we are trying to do something at a very difficult time in terms of risk assessment. One of the reasons we've used the NSC is because the high ceilings, the ventilation, really using very, very small groups who are kept together right the way through. So if there are any outbreaks, they can be dealt with. One of the things that the council ministers did last week was allow people to um, join in terms of households for childcare, particularly for, for people who were single parents. We've also provided um, childminding facilities for, again, for those critical workers. So we're doing as much as we can to support people who really have to go into work. But we are still in the position of asking people, if you can, please stay at home. Only go into work if it is really essential. We will get there, but we need to do it in stages, as the Chief Minister has said. And my second question, we're probably not the hottest ticket in town this afternoon. I think listening to Dr. Rachel Glover giving her account to the PAG committee is uh, dynamite. And I've only been listening up till the start of this press briefing. But one of the points, and it has been sort of said before, and I, I think this is quite uh, worrying for a lot of people, is that certain people were giving information to Comin who were, maybe shouldn't have done it, maybe above their pay scale or they weren't slightly qualified enough to make advice do you accept that has now happened because this is not a new allegation, Chief Minister, and the rest of the panel, please? And are you looking at that again because you may have got information that wasn't necessarily signed off by the right people? Well, I haven't heard the evidence, Paul, so I'll have to wait and see the report from the committee that's been said. That said, we have a consultant um, who's in my books is, is higher than a doctor that's been advising the Council of Ministers on, uh, on genomics and our testing um, setup, but let's see what um, evidence uh, has, has come, and then um, we, we can make a statement on that. Um, I think David will no doubt want to come in on this. David. Yeah, thank you, Chief Minister. Obviously, I haven't heard the evidence session. I'm sat here with, like you are, Paul, with this, so I haven't heard any of it um, in the terms you've put it, so I will have to listen back to the evidence session to see what was actually said, but in the terms you've put it, no, I don't accept that. I think the officers who've been advised in Council of Ministers are qualified to do so. Um, and one of the reasons that we have the chains, so we don't, it's not just a case of anyone can come and advise Council of Ministers, there is protocols in place where any advice to Council of Ministers goes through various chains, and that's exactly why that's there, to ensure that it's been double-checked, treble-checked, and that the advice that's given to Council is right, correct and proper. 
So there's likely you will be talking about this on the next one on Tuesday. I'm sure there'll be other questions that you can clarify from this evidence that's been given today. Well, like, like I said, I need to hear the evidence session first, Paul. I'm I'm great at multitasking at and doing things, you know, at the same time. But I can't quite do a press conference here and also listen to a tumbled evidence session at the same time. That's shocking. I, I thought you'd do better than that. No, I'm joking. Thank I am disappointed much. in myself. We'll talk next week about that. Thank you very much. Okay. Well, thank you all very much for your questions. Please enjoy the Easter weekend. If you do take your deck chair to sit and catch up with loved ones, you might also need a warm blanket. Please do everything you can to keep yourself and your loved ones safe. Only meet outdoors. Keep your distance. Let's keep the hugs for another time, hopefully soon. We will be back on Tuesday after the long weekend, unless there is a reason to do so sooner. Until then, please continue to make the right decisions for you, your family and your island. And of course, call 111 if you have anything that might be symptoms. Don't delay. Every day matters. Thank you all very much. Bye-bye.